Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome. I have a very special guest with us today, Madeline. Madeline is a time hacker, and I even remember your story of joining. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell people about you and about what you do, and then let's start at the beginning together. Okay. So I am Madeline Schwartz. I'm a communication coach, and what I do is help people articulate their vision in ways that their teammates and their clients understand. Yes. So good. And you also do, don't you do like regular, like round? So I do that with people one-on-one who want to give more engaging presentations, who want to be more effective leaders and team communicators. And then I also work with teams to train them on storytelling, public speaking, and, um, navigating conflict and difficult conversations. And I host a bi-monthly audio show on LinkedIn called Speakeasy, where I let people in on the secrets to effective communication. It's so fun. So thank you for sharing all of that. And like at the end, we'll speak about how people can find you and connect with you. Um, But what what I always remember with you is the beginning. Um, so do you want to tell people about um yeah uh, let's tell people about that yeah so the way I found your work or really like got excited about the prospect of joining was when you did the hustle free holiday pop-up and it was a month long or maybe it was two months long but I got a lot out of that group and while you know, initially I joined and I thought, oh, this is perfect. Exactly what I need. I thought, you know, I get everything I needed just in that pop-up group. By the end, I was like, no, I definitely want to join Time Hackers. And at the time you were doing one-on-one consults. And so we did a consult together at the very end of the year. And I remember talking through my decision and that I wanted to join, but I didn't want to join until January. And it was probably the, you know, very end of December. So not a long time in between when I planned planned to do it, maybe two weeks. But I had very specific reasons, like I just couldn't put another charge on my credit card, on my books for the year. And so I decided I'm going to wait for January. And you coached me on that decision and the fact that there was always going to be a reason not to join. And I still stuck with that decision of I'm going to join in January, but having that consult, like that time together and that coaching was so helpful because when the date rolled around that I had put on my calendar, that this is when I was going to join Time Hackers, I still didn't really want to spend the money, like felt uncomfortable with the decision. And I thought back to the coaching you had given me that there was always going to be something that comes up in life. It was never going to get any easier to make that decision. And that really allowed me to move forward to join that day, even though I still had some, uh, you know, like hesitation and nerves about it. Yes. So good. So I love, I love that. Listen, not everyone gets one-to-one consults anymore, so you can't be depending on that, but the lesson behind it, I think is so powerful that I wanted to bring it to everyone, which is our brain offers us really 
valid reasons for waiting to make decisions or waiting to take action on things that we are you know that take us out of our comfort zone or have us doing something that we've not done before expose us to potential failure and rejection or that bring up you know any kind of change brings up a reaction by our body and our brain by design um and I think it's so fun for you to share that so that people I think lots of people listening for sure are like yes like next quarter or next year or whenever and I wonder how many people listening now having heard that are like oh yeah I've actually said that to myself two or three times um so that's really fun and then I want to speak about what do you think has changed in terms of how you make decisions um since being in time hackers yeah I mean that's really one of the main reasons that I joined but I couldn't have imagined how dramatically my process of making decisions would change now that I've been in Time Hackers for the last year and a half or so. Um, because I think back to that experience of joining and what what's different now is, and I mean, I've had to learn this lesson again and again as a Time Hacker, but now I'm more likely to recognize it is that I am often trying to solve for the wrong problem, like trying to strategize the decision to make the fear go away. And what I have really learned from you and from Time Hackers and all of the coaching I've gotten inside the community is that like it never gets easier to make those decisions. Like the, the fear is always going to be there. And so instead of spending tons of time trying to solve for that, that the best way to get past that uncomfortable feeling is to just make the decision and to create comfort for whatever happens on the other side of the decision. So it has made um, decision-making so much quicker and easier. And that's not to say I don't still have mind drama about things. Um, but I'm more likely to recognize it and catch myself and not go into that spiral of spending a week flip-flopping around something, trying to make it easier, and instead just making the decision and going forward with it. Yes. And it's so important. I do think something that we speak about a lot in Time Hackers is like, we never, we're not looking to get to this clean, almost robotic place of like, and then I just make the decision and then I don't have a human reaction. Like our humanity is a skill. It's like a beautiful thing. So, you know, as you shared it, just for everyone listening, I also am still human and still experience fear and still trip up. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that's what was happening. So just normalizing that, like, we don't take away your humanity. And um, exactly like you said, I just think it's such a time saver. Because you even said, you know, the fear, there's, there's no strategy around decision making that eliminates the fear. You, I actually think the fear dissipates after you've made the decision. So if you want to eliminate the fear, it's like the way to do it is through it. Yes, yes. And I have definitely found that like making some uncomfortable decisions or big business investments that um, there is an immediate relief after making the decision, even if I'm still scared. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I also, we had some, we had a few people join Time Hackers this week, which is so fun. Um, but one of them shared about 
um, her to-do list with hundreds of things on it. And you commented, and I thought it was so beautiful. So I know for sure 95% of people listening to this podcast still operate on a to-do list. No shame in the game. Um, And also the never-ending to-do list. And it was, I even remember, and I speak about this on the podcast, my first ever coaching client that was like literally the never-ending to-do list um, problem and issue. So I would love for you to share what's changed for you um, around to-do lists and what that's created for you. Sure. I'm trying to remember exactly what my comment was on that post. Um, But what has changed is I stopped keeping to-do lists for the most part. I also stopped um, searching for the perfect planner or I had never found a planner that suited me. And so when I joined, I used to print out like a weekly calendar from iCal and then like spend a lot of time writing things into that. And I abandoned that process pretty quickly. And it's so liberating to do that and to not think that um, getting things done and managing time is going to happen in in a calendar or when I find the perfect planner. And so for to-do lists, I've almost entirely abandoned that practice. I mean, it's not that I never need to write things down when I have a especially if I have like some admin stuff that I need to get done, but I just put fewer things on the list. Um, And so have gotten better and more thoughtful at prioritizing. And I still don't feel like I've mastered that entirely. Um, Again, like our humanity is still here inside this program, but I'm, I'm not feeling behind all the time and I'm not spending time um, rewriting this list of things to do, half of which or maybe 75% of were things that actually weren't important and weren't the most likely things to get me closer to the goals that I wanted. Yes, totally. It's like again one of the things that we speak about is like the list is a tool for you and so you're still using it as a tool for you but what can end up happening accidentally is we become like an employee and our list is the boss and we're like constantly having to show up and overgive and overgive to this like boss that's like not very humane and doesn't really care about us and exactly as you said I think that's what's so beautiful about what you've shared is you're really using it as a tool for you and you are not, you know, succumbing and carrying around this list that is. Yeah. And constantly making me feel overwhelmed and like I'm falling short and not getting anything done. Yes. Yes. It is like, it is because of the never ending nature of it, because there's always more things to do. Everyone, we're not, we're not dismissing that there's like things to do. We get it. We live in crazy times. We have multiple roles. The world is getting busier. Technology makes everything faster. Um, So there's always things to do, but do you need to walk around with a receipt of everything that you could do that you don't even need to do? Like how, like really what is that creating for you? If you're listening and you're like, Oh, I do that. Um, The other thing, um, to speak about is feeling guilty around um, what we're using our time with, um, feeling guilty around what we're doing, what we're not doing. 
what's changed for you there or what would you what do you want people to know about that yeah um well one of my big accomplishments this year as a time hacker is that I went on a family vacation and I truly unplugged um I did check my email I think the first day I was there because it was something that I hadn't gotten to wrap up before I left but here's what happened when I did that so I wanted to accomplish this one thing so that then I could relax and unplug on vacation but then I saw something that also felt like it needed to be attended to and so I did that and then and you know I got it done it didn't take a long time but I just realized in that experience I was like all right like I'm glad I got that done but had I not seen it for a week, the world wouldn't have exploded. And I just decided, like, I'm not checking my email again on this trip. Like, I am here to relax, to unplug from technology, to take a break from everything, you know, just from work, from my business. And so I did that. I read three books on vacation. It was amazing. What I also did, which was such a big step for me, is that on the flight back, I did not check my email. I did not do any work on the flight back, which is something that I have often done in the past. Like even if I have unplugged on a trip or for part of the trip, then when I'm coming home, I have this guilty thought like and think oh the best way to use this time would be to sort of ease back into work or get ahead of things and I just didn't do that and I relaxed on the plane and I continued to read I think I even watched part of the movie and I generally don't like watching movies on planes but I decided this would be better and more relaxing than working and it was it was great and what happened during that time, like I came back and I had a whole bunch of new clients. And so it really reinforced the idea, like two things um, that I've learned about in Time Hackers. One is that rest is good for our goals and doesn't need to be in competition with them. And, and then the second thing is when I posted about my experience of not working on the plane home and not working until like the following Monday, even though I had a long weekend when I got back, was that um, one of the Time Hacker coaches commented about how that was, that idea to like work on the plane home was an a behavior to solve for the anxiety of coming back from vacation. And it was so helpful to see that as a pattern of something trying to solve for anxiety that doesn't actually help so that I can be more mindful about not falling into that trap next time I go on vacation and, you know, still use the plane ride as part of vacation and downtime and not feel so compelled to mm. jump back into email or work when I get home. Yes. And I love how, you know, the example for the plane, but I bet a lot of people listening will work to cover up anxiety or to cover up fear or to cover up disappointment or to cover up grief or to like, it is, I always say it's like the one, not just widely accepted, but celebrated um, like trauma response if we're even going to go there like 
you can feel terrible or you can be resisting or avoiding something avoiding a conversation avoiding something that feels yucky and if you do that in an ice cream tub or in a bottle of wine people will be like oh I'm not sure about that but if you do that in email people are like wow you are an amazing human that's super hard working and we celebrate you so yeah that's what we're up against <laughs> yeah and and you know I'm so grateful to the the other time hire coach who really identified that for me so I can see it yes so good um and the other thing that you mentioned that I just want to touch back on because it's a huge point which is like rest is not in competition with our goals <laughs> so Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what your learning has been about rest, like where you started, what you learned, where you are now? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to your original question about guilt and something that I've seen you talk about so much about, you know, not feeling like you have to earn rest or that the work has to come before. Um, And that conditioning is so strong and you know, I have to say, like, I still have guilt around um, sometimes taking time off things I haven't gotten done using my time. But I'm just so much more aware of it. And I have been very intentional recently about building more fun activities into my schedule and with the belief and the intention that those are good for business, Mm -hmm. that not spending all of my time in front of a computer working is the way that I'm going to meet my goals, that taking more time for play or reading books on vacation, that those are equally important because like creative ideas can arise from those activities as much or more so than they will sitting in front of my computer because I feel guilty and I think I should be working. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so what's changed is that I um, am more inclined to still do what I want to do, even when the guilt comes up. So for it to be there, And I still get to do what I want to do. And that has also come up, not just around work, but with like in family relationships, for instance, and establishing boundaries of just being so much more aware, especially as a, a female in this world of like not wanting to make so many decisions based on guilt. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's like a lot of people say, well, I just feel guilty about while I'm resting. So there's no point resting or I feel afraid about putting myself out there. So there's no point putting myself out there instead of just seeing those as stepping stones. Right. In order to achieve the like true rest, restful experience where you feel rested afterwards, you have to be willing to go through the guilt if you're not willing to go through the guilt and just see it as like a stepping stone towards the rest instead of seeing it as like, a brick wall that you have to turn around and turn away from or like I, I talk a lot about what's it called I'm thinking of the, this the pits where you drown in them the sinking pits <laughs> I, don't know, I can't think of it oh you know what I mean uh, yay. <laughs> yeah anyway I think everyone probably people are probably listening like screaming what it is and we like can't figure it out but it's okay um 
you know, standing in there, like, oh, if I'm, if there's guilt, then I'm, my whole experience is going to be with guilt instead of like, actually, once you acknowledge that the guilt is there. And I even really like to think about why is the guilt there? Like, where have I, where have I been taught this? And do I want, would I want this guilt for someone else? Like, would I want this guilt for my, for my best friend? Would I be like, yeah, you should feel guilty for, you know, going to, take the afternoon off and going to the zoo you should feel guilty about that and if not then we know that it's not actually our narrative it's just like a learned narrative and it will still show up but the more you do that the easier it gets I think what do you yeah is it quicksand is that right quicksand yeah (laughs) (laughs) I like the quick thing with the (laughs) yeah and it's so easy to you know get pulled into that Yes. fan of guilt and just feel totally like overtaken and overwhelmed by it. So that is, is something that I am again, like much more aware of and inclined to talk about and still, still make decisions when it's there. Mm-hmm. Which is like such a powerful thing to do. So it's not like, and um, you can, you can have the guilt and feel powerful or you can have the guilt and feel like useless and the guilt doesn't create either of those emotions so I think that's what we're speaking about here I I, I'm even thinking about a specific example what you shared in the group you like we continue to push our boundaries in this group and in this community that's why I love that it's like lifetime because so now you can get your head around like maybe going for lunch with a friend in the day or out with your husband to an art gallery I know you like doing that but it was like there was something where there was like a few days back to back and you were like, oh no, this is like new levels of discomfort. Um, do you want to share? Yeah, I, it was, I was taking an overnight trip in the middle of the week that I scheduled just for fun. And that was definitely a new level of discomfort to be, to decide like, okay, I'm going to take a day and a half off in the middle of the week and to not um, feel like I needed to make up that time, or even that if I did have feelings that I needed to make up that time, that I wasn't going to cram a bunch more stuff in or work all weekend because I was leaving town. And so that felt like a really big step. And when I decided to do it, because I wanted to go to this book reading in Philadelphia and see a friend, when I decided to do it, I just remembered like came back to this idea that this too is good for business it's not in competition to anything else I'm doing and if I just decide like this is a good decision this is going to be good for for my business and for my goals then why wouldn't I do it yes so good um the next thing this is this is a, a fun thing for us to bring up is talking about being late. Yes. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really wanted to talk about that because that, of all the things that have changed, like this is one of the most impactful for me, which is before joining Time Hackers, I identified myself as someone who was always running five to 10 minutes late. And this brought up so much anxiety for me. I was constantly on the subway. I live in New York City. I'd be on the subway. I'd be leaving late. 
to get somewhere. And then I would spend the entire time, which might be 45 minutes to an hour, compulsively checking my phone, like remapping, you know, the Google route to see how long I was going to be there. I would, you know, maybe have to text or call someone to tell them that I was going to be late. And I would feel so guilty about it. And it was this self-perpetuating story of always running late and then feeling like a terrible person about it. And one of the things that I changed is to just drop that story, to stop thinking of myself like that, and to really like purposely look for times that I wasn't late. And so I'll give you an example of what that actually looks like in application. So I um, am, I have a nine-year-old. I am mostly the parent who picks up at school. And one time I was late to pick up my kid and I had to then, you know, grab him from the auditorium and he was so mad. And, and this was the first time I was late. And I picked him up and, you know, he walks out and he was like, you're late. <laughs> and instead of going into this shame spiral about it and feeling so guilty, I was like, what are all of the times that I am here on time? Like the hundreds of times that I have picked you up from school and I'm normally not late. Like it happens. And that was a huge thing to just realize, like, I don't have to feel guilty for this because I'm usually on time for this, you know, out of an entire school year. Maybe I was late two or three times and, you know, just a few minutes. And I thought, well, I can forgive myself for that. And I, you know, now I just don't, since I don't talk about myself as someone who's always five or 10 minutes late, I am not perpetually running late. And it's not that I always get places on time, but here's what's different. Like I don't spend my subway rides compulsively checking my phone and feeding the anxiety loop of being late. I am more inclined to stick to my schedule. We like plan buffer time for myself so that I'm on time more often, which feels so good and makes me like a more relaxed person. And when I am late, because I'm human and that still happens. And I remember one time, like I was running late for a doctor's appointment. Like I missed a train stop, just had subway snafus that I still didn't go back to the story of, oh, it's because I'm always running late. I just decided like in those situations, like, no, I'm normally on time, but I'm human and I'm sometimes late. Yes, which is like such a powerful skill to apply to so many things when it's like, I think the way that we've been taught to describe ourselves around time is so negative. Most people listening to this podcast, most people out in the world are much more likely to describe themselves as like a procrastinator, as a perfectionist, as someone you know that's always overwhelmed there's someone that's not good with time there's someone that's always late all of these things and it's like that might be true some of the time but it's definitely not true 100 of the time and exactly like what you just shared with us so beautifully is like when you change the narrative and you really understand that you get to describe yourself however the fuck you want like literally you get to describe yourself however you want um 
when you change that then you make different decisions and it happens much easier rather than like forcing yourself to like do different things and like through that time anxiety and you just make different decisions and those different decisions allow you to create more buffer time and those different decisions allow you to not beat yourself up when that when you're late because it's never a problem being late some people are going to disagree with me being late is not a problem it's what we make it mean afterwards that's the problem um and typically I'm thinking about you know other client stories where it's like they've been so late to like or not even so late I don't know how late but they've been late to a date or an interview or an opportunity and they've spent the whole then experience in their own head beating themselves up about being late which takes a lot more from the experience than actually being 10 minutes late yeah it makes me think like one of those times that I was really late for the doctor because I had a subway problem And I felt terrible because this doctor is normally running on time. And then when she took me, she was like, so sorry, I'm running late. Like everything in my schedule has been messed up today. And I was like, it's no problem at all. I was running late. And so, you know, at least half the time when we're worried about how it's inconveniencing someone else, sometimes things just align and it's not a problem. Yes, totally. And I mean, my views on this are quite extreme in terms of like, if people are late for me, I'm very, very forgiving. And I tend to think like, ultimately, I'm responsible for how I use my time um, and, and what I do with that time, not them, even if I've made the plan with them. So it's up to me to decide to like, oh, I'm going to get some fresh air at this time or take a walk out or I'm going to keep the Zoom room open. But I'm going to do something else or like whatever it is. And then it means that I'm never pissed off when someone's late because I'm not like you wasted my time like no one else can waste your time for you that's like an inside job so I think that's fun too um so you shared that you're really glad that I brought the late thing up because this has been a huge thing for you I'm wondering if there's anything else that you for sure want to share on the podcast yeah another big lesson from time hackers is what and I can't remember like which module it is or even what you call the concept but something that I was doing before I joined this program was chasing after certain like projects or status things such as media or like writing a white paper was one of my goals when I started the program and that I was doing these things because I thought those were the things that were going to make me feel like an expert And then when I got them and still didn't feel that way and was, you know, disappointed that they didn't create that for me, it was really eye-opening and something that you talk a lot about and has been so helpful. And, you know, again, was something that like I needed to learn on my own, even though you talk about it and have a concept around this, but that we get to decide for ourselves like how we are going to define things such as expert (laughs) and that's been really powerful because you know even though it was kind of like a painful lesson to learn of like okay white paper is done check and then results of white paper wait they don't match up Um, but it's kept me from 
spending so much time doing more things like that and chasing after status ideas that don't actually create what we want. Yes, it's so important. I was actually talking with someone recently um, and they said, you know, I'm thinking about being a coach. And so, but, you know, I'm just going to get like a certification so that I can like be good enough or whatever the phrase was. So that they're like, so I could, and I was like, well, what happens after you've got it? You think it just makes you feel good enough? Well, you know, like that's what we're taught. That's how we're taught to make decisions. It's like this external thing is going to impact my feelings and yet it doesn't happen. Um, and I only teach that way because I lived that way for a long time. A long time. I was like, I'm checking these boxes. I'm doing what's right. I'm ready for, you know, everything that I was promised. And it's like, wait, it's not here. What? Like, I, I did all the things. I used to, you know, at one point I was working 60 plus hours a week in a startup, had started this podcast, was in an accelerator program, was doing an online MBA, was hosting four to five events every week. I mean, I was doing all the things that was that was gonna be it. And it was like, no. So a little bit of a yeah. and you know, it's so interesting to talk about this and hear you, you know, repeat it back to me because I think about how it applies in my own work. Like a lot of my clients have this idea they're just terrible at public speaking and think that that is a status quo, right? Like it's never going to change. And it's a big part of the work that we do together, like not just having tools and strategies, but changing that narrative and being open to the possibility that it can change so that they feel differently about themselves as a communicator at the end of the time that we work together. But again, like I had to learn that lesson for myself and I'm glad I could do it here. Yes, totally. And and like even expanding on what you're saying, one of my clients shared last week, like she's like, my personality has changed. <laughs> and, you know, it really is like the way we describe ourselves. I'm not a good communicator versus I am a good communicator. Like both are true. It depends who you're communicating with and what you probably think about them or what you think about you in relation to them. And it's like we have all these skills. And I think one of the things that we do in time hackers, one of the things that is fundamentally time hacking is we look for how you're already capable. We look for how you already are a decision maker. We look for how you already are confident. We look for like there are areas, even if they are small, um, and we dismiss them when we're like in this loop and in this narrative. But that's one of my favorite things to show people because it's so fast and so effective is like, okay. You can like keep that, but where is where is that just not true? So for anyone listening, if there's like a shitty narrative you have around yourself, I would just think like, just ask yourself, how is it not true? Think of one example. And uh, that's like the little light in the doorway. Yeah. Uh, and and for me, like with the being late thing, even though I shared that story about picking up my kid late ones, that was really a place where you know, when when I was challenged to think of places where I was not late, I was like, oh, I am on time for school pickup. Yes. It's so funny. Isn't it? It's not like, well done, you're on time. I'm so glad you brought that up again because I did want to think about that. We're not like, we're not celebrating all the little things we do. Our brain just waits till we fuck up a little bit and is like, see, terrible. But like, if it was the opposite, even like, 
we would be celebrating so much in the day. It'd be like, look, we're recording the, this podcast on time. It'd be like, look, I got myself dressed today. I'd be like, look, I, you know, so many things in a single day would always be overwhelming, <laughs> um, which is why I do think, you know, again, another thing that we do inside the room and the community is celebrate a lot because our brain doesn't think celebrating the little things is important. But like, imagine if every day it was like, yeah, you came on time. Like, oh, that sounds fun. Um, so yeah, it's just our human brain and your kid being the perfect example of like essentially what we have in our heads which I mean I think about like five-year-old Vicky is still in my brain she's like stomping her foot she's like I want to do this or I don't want to do this yeah um all right we're going to finish up in a few minutes so I guess I would love for you to share with people what like if they're on the fence if they're like if they've been saying they're going to join but they're waiting for the right time or waiting for circumstances to change or (laughs) I don't know, what do you want someone to know who's like, I feel like I belong in Time Hackers or want the skill of time hacking, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I tried, excuse me, a few different things around time management before joining Time Hackers. And, you know, that included working with a one-on-one coach and calendaring and time blocking and color coding And if none of those things are working for you and you are still searching for the perfect system or the perfect planner, like this is the place that just completely changed my relationship with time and got me out of that constant war I was in with time and the stories I had about myself and managing my time. Um, And so it like those would be hints that this would be a good place for you. And coming back to the story that we started with of how I joined, just really thinking about how you make decisions and making sure that you're not solving for the wrong thing, like waiting for the decision to get comfortable as opposed to knowing this is exactly what you need and being willing to be uncomfortable as you make that decision. Oh, that's so good. Um, sorry, the last last thing I want to ask you about is is what it's like being in the Time Hackers community. It's um, been so transformative for me. So I am an introvert. I have normally been like pretty reserved and hesitant to get coached in groups, especially if it's on video and things that I know like people will be able to watch back forever and ever. And this space has created a whole new level of comfort in being vulnerable in front of other people. Like I have brought so many things to coaching um, and it was pretty uncomfortable to share some of those vulnerable things. And it has brought so much relief on the other side. And that's been really incredible. Like one of the things that I have developed being being a time hacker, and you know, it relates to something that I've read from Brene Brown about developing a shame protocol. But this is the space where I was able to then implement my protocol and share those things. And that has been such a gift and released so much of that um, guilt and really 
taught me how to process those massively uncomfortable emotions and, and find more um, self-acceptance on the other side. Mm, Yes. I think it's like, what's so special about it is like so many people are willing to be so vulnerable in this space that it creates more safety for everyone to be vulnerable in this space. So I really want to like commend everyone in the community for creating that. Um, It's, very powerful and something I'm super proud to be a part of. So thank you. Yeah. And I'm really grateful to um to you for creating that space. Thank you. I think we all co-create it. Um so we'll co- we'll continue to co-create it. All right everyone. So thank you so much to Madeline for giving us her most precious resource, her time and her mind and her experience and knowledge. And it's just been amazing. You said you've been in there 18 months, which is like true. And it's so fun to just see your journey and how you developed and know that like it's still like warming up, right? This is still just the springboard for what's next and what's next. So thank you so much. Um I would love for you to tell people how they can connect with you um, and find yeah. So people can find me on my website, madelineschwartzcoaching.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. And when you are looking for me, Schwartz is S-C-H-W-A-R-Z and on Instagram. And everyone, I invite you to come join me at Speakeasy, which is the um, LinkedIn audio show where I talk about communication. Yes, thank you. And we will get those links and put them in the show notes as well to make it super easy for everybody. Um, And of course, if you listen to this and you want to be a time hacker and you're like done with your brain, you know, delaying, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this and you're like, I know I want this immediately. Let me hack time right now, which sometimes happens. Um, then just go to vickyluise.com forward slash time hyphen hackers. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Thank you everybody for listening. And thank you again, Madeline, for sharing so beautifully with us. Thanks. <laughs> Hey, if you want to get five hours a week back minimum for life, then I want to invite you to join Time Hackers. It's this podcast on speed where you'll get access to time hacking tools not shared on the podcast. You'll get access to my proven process for hacking your time to get five hours back every week at least. It's also my favorite place to hang out and will be yours too as you connect with other time hackers where you'll get celebrated, supported and coached of course. You are a time hacker. This is where you belong. Head to vickylouise.com forward slash group. I can't wait to see you there.